0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. What's better than this? It's guys being dudes. Here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, this is your co-host, Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino. On a plane. At least he's coming home this time, so we'll see him tomorrow on the show. Glad he he and his wife flew up to Buffalo and got a chance to uh, check into Club Dub for an evening. Uh, The Bills taking care of business. Thumbs up. Uh, Beating the Carolina Panthers. So it is just me and Chris Schubert here on the Draft Dudes uh, on this fine Monday, Monday, December 20th. End of the year. Going to be here before we know it, Chris. How you doing on a uh, Monday after week 15? We got just a couple weeks of NFL football left
0: doing well, maybe uh, not doing as well as some Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans or some gambling uh, people who potentially put some money on that uh, Sunday night game last night that ended 9-0. Yeah. to zero. Yeah. So maybe you didn't Hope have that great under- of a weekend. Maybe it didn't end the way you wanted to. Well, lucky for you, you got two games tonight, two games tomorrow, four games the rest of the week. Oh, by the way, it's bowl season, NHL, NBA. Why don't you head over to our friends at betonline.ag, your number one spot for the basketball and football action this season. And when you head over to the updated desktop or Mobile website, and you use our promo code BLE50, that's BLEAV50. That's B L E A V 50. A 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit coming right to you. Like I said, you got ball games going on, you got four football games today and tomorrow in the NFL and then oh by the way it's Thursday night football right around the corner and then we got Saturday football and Sunday football it just keeps on moving so head on over to betonline.eg. use the promo code BLE50 BLEAV50 Bet online where the game starts Kyle I'm very excited for the uh the concept that you, ha- you have for the Monday edition of the show
1: yeah so you know Mondays for the last couple of months have been reserved for uh scouting notebook but only a handful of games that were played over the course of this past weekend so instead of getting into just the the handful of, we could have talked about Malik Willis and his performance in the bowl game which was very strong right we could have done that but we're getting ready to do a TDM 100 update here uh in the next 2 weeks uh it'll be next Thursday correct chris when that we're, is we're planning on next, running it yeah. next
0: Thursday is when everybody will see it
1: so we're at the point in the process right now that's a little different you know we have a number of full-time scouts on staff and we have couple of part-time guys that, that kind of go a la carte and work as national scouts as well. But these full-time scouts have regions of the country that they're responsible for. And um, we are taking a nine week stretch and everybody is responsible for every day, showing up to the work meetings with a couple of player reports done from players specifically within their region or the, the, the national guys are, are kind of pulling guys from everybody's region uh, each week. And we are, At the end of this week, going to be over 200 full film evaluations done. And uh, that's about the halfway mark. So the last time we did a TDN 100 update, we were just starting this process. And that was very much based on your summer assessment and then your opportunities to watch the guys live throughout the course of, of the season. Well, now that the film resumes are for a number of guys complete, Uh, We're doing the full deep dive, and it's almost like a reset of your expectations. And what we have now is finalized film grades instead of just putting guys in tiers. And we are seeing a lot of renewed expectations based on the way the season went when you did the deep dive as compared to surface level watching. This isn't, of course, the final product because we're going to hit February and we're all going to go through the list of regional guys together. And everybody's going to grade the same players on the same day. Uh, based on highest to lowest for what regional scouting produces for. So this isn't by any means our final boards or our consensus grade is the regional scouts grades. But what you see is a lot of names in different places than what you've generally associated them with for over the course of the past four months. So we thought it would be a fun opportunity to hop into, you know, the, the 180 players or so that we have done right now, um, and look at some storylines, positional depth, uh, players that you know, the regional scout saw something that they didn't think that they were going to see for better or for worse. I don't want to put words in guys' mouths, so we won't get too far into uh, some of that nuance, and we'll save that for the TDN 100 show when, when we do that next week. But uh, Chris, you know, I guess the first thing that stands out to me is we've got... More first round grades right now in regional scouting than I expected that we were going to have.
0: I'm so glad you brought this up because it was actually the first thing I was going to ask you is you, I think it was at the tail end of last week in in one of these meetings, you said, I'm actually surprised at how this class has developed in our eyes as we've gone through this process, that that this has gotten to be a better class, and I use that term around air quotes because again, there's a process to this, and these players played throughout the course of the season. It's just we're now right. at this point where we are evaluating them. You guys are, and you made the, you made the point of hey, this is developing in a way of there are more, and I won't give away the the color codes that you have, but there are more of a certain you know blue color code. blue they're blue blue chip prospects. There are more blue highlights next to these grades than I think any of us anticipated when you guys started this process so that's been fun because on a given day the players are presented by one scout and it's kind of this big reveal to everybody this is the grade that this player got and so it's been a very fun kind of process to see uh how many players have fallen into this tier but you are correct that would be my biggest takeaway so far is how many players have gotten that blue uh tag next to their name
1: yeah, and that conversation was prompted by uh Brentley Weissman, who was on the call, and he was like, Hey, do we happen to know how the grading distribution shook out last year? And um, we had had I think 21 or 20 players that were consensus across all scouts on staff, uh, and that included myself, Joe, Dre, Brentley was there, uh, ESPN's Jordan Reed uh, was with us for last year, and um. We had 20, it was right around 20 names. Uh, But if you counted all of the players who got at least one vote, effectively, if you consider everybody's big board a ballot, right? Across all the ballots for grades last year, there were 30 players who received at least one first round grade from somebody on staff. Through this point in the process, and we're like not even done, there's some guys that might sneak in here still. We have 22 with just one grade out of a possible six grades across all the scouts that we have on staff. So I would expect guys that are in that early two, Zion Johnson, for example, Trayvon Walker, Jamison Williams, maybe David Bell, perhaps Matt Corral for some. Like there's names that you can very easily see somebody else liking a little bit more that would push them on their respective grading scale and their respective ballot into the first round bucket. So I think we're going to have more, more players with a ballot cast for them as first round grades than what we did last year. And we already have an equal number of guys with top 10 valuations with five. than we had all of last year across everybody's ballot and only four of those uh, received consensus top 10 overall grades. And I believe those were Trevor Lawrence, um, Penny Sewell, Kyle Pitts. Actually, that might've been it for top 10 valuations, like consensus across everybody for the average scale. So we're at five right now. And we got an offensive tackle in there. Who's not the offensive tackle that everybody has been associating with the top (laughs) of the class. We've got another couple of offensive linemen that are in that upper first round bucket, it's like really fun to see how expectations have laid out when you do the reset and you actually kind of go below surface level uh, at this point in the process. And I'll tell you this, and
0: mock drafts are not a one to one. And I and I want to make that very clear when I say this, but I'll give you a player example of this scenario, right? Uh, Jamison Williams, where he falls on our board right now, he just went inside the top 10 of Dre's mock draft that just dropped on the mm-hmm. draft network this week. He's not the person who put the grade in for Jamison Williams. So right. there has to be cross checks. Now you start to think, okay, now it's one mock draft, but Dre felt that this guy was a, and I don't want to give it away, but a top 10 player in his latest mock draft where he put, I I will let you click on the link to see where he put him. But that's not reflected in where this is at right now. So to your point of as we go through this process, there are going to be other scouts who didn't do the initial grading or presentation on this player, that this number is going to grow. And that's the fun thing about this is that as you track this, because you're the the, the gatekeeper to this master spreadsheet that has all this information in it, what's going to be fun is right now there are a bunch of players that I think could maybe get some worst grades from other people and these these yes. these names are going to shift all over the place. So guys that are right now I would say outside the top 20 might move inside the top 20 because of the way everybody else grades them in crosscheck. So it's been very fun to at least see where the benchmark is right now um and you, you, we get these little breadcrumbs in the way other guys talk about these players of where they're going to grade them when crosschecks happen.
1: Yeah, so you know, I think I think a good example of that is we have a couple of guys that the regional scout is willing to pound the table for. On staff, and I'll I'll just mention Henry To'o To'o, the linebacker from Alabama, who's a guy who scored very well uh, with Keith Sanchez, who did his write up. Uh, I look at Kenny Pickett. No, Joe Marino has done his his write up. Uh, Nicholas Petit Friere uh, from Ohio State. Right now, I'd I'd be willing to at least give you this breadcrumb because I'm the guy that did him. Uh, I got him with a first round grade, and right now he's stacking like middle of the teens uh on, on the regional scoring now as chris said there's going to be a lot of wiggle room and buffer room and we saw that last year uh where the regional guy might pound the table for you but if everybody else comes in like a round lower you no know, there's enough grades that are in there that it's going to average out and it's not going to be such an extreme variance um, but it's cool that you have that representation in the way that we do this and you know uh there's nothing I love more than when we come into a meeting and I know I've got a grade that's drastically different than somebody else's because then you get to have the conversation and it's like, what did you see contextually? What did you think really popped to you? And then you can kind of have that conversation back and forth and, and hopefully, and I think we do a really good job of this with everybody that we have on in our group, you learn something in every single one of those conversations. You know, you get, you get a different point of view and perspective about watching the game talking to Dre or Keith or Damian or Joe or Brentley than what you yourself took in. And whether you choose to go back and rewatch and apply that and agree with that or not is a totally different story. But um, I, I think there's some guys that are, are lower here too, that I will not be surprised to see the consensus come up a little bit higher on. I know um, I look at Charles Cross. I think Charles Cross is a guy who, when you apply The consensus grading in February, so don't have the sticker shock if you see where he ends up landing um, when we do our latest TDN100 update. Jahan Dotson is another one. N'Kobe Dean. Uh, These are guys who uh, there's legitimate questions about their archetypes and their transition to the pro game, and it seems like the regional scouts who did each one of those players Didn't feel comfortable really embracing who that player was. And that could be for any number of different reasons. It could be because there's only a handful of spots where you feel like the team would maximize that. And if he goes anywhere else, he's going to be miscast. And therefore, it's a high-risk proposition. And we refer to that on the show all the time. We do risk assessments just as much as we do draft reports because we're scouting for all 32 teams. And
0: I'll say this, I'll I'll throw a player in the mix that at least his initial grade kind of shocks me. And again, it's because of the bubble and the echo chamber of the Draft Dudes podcast and how much we love this guy. But Traylon Burks is one of those guys where his grade where he's right now, at least for me, I'm like, wait a minute. That's not the way I feel about this guy. And I know it's not the way maybe Kyle or Joe, at least in our initial conversations, feel about this guy. So it's going to be so fun. Uh, to to see how it evolves, because again, neither you or Joe was the person who presented Traylon Burke. So there's this kind of evaluation and maturation process of it. So yeah, there are a bunch of names in this in this middle tier. I would say the 20s through 40s, where I'm like, okay, I don't think that guy's going to stay there. I think that guy is going to move up as this right. process develops. Right. And then and then Kyle, I think it's very important to note there is Senior Bowl, there is Shrine Bowl, there are all of these events that are also going to impact the way you guys do these evaluations because you're going to get more data points. You're going to get measurables. You're yep. going to be able to see these guys in person. And I think that's that's part of this process that is not factored in
1: yet because we haven't gotten there. But that is another thing that is right around the corner as well. Well, and you mentioned the 20s through the 40s. But if you go through like down into the 75 range, down through 75, and you start seeing some guys who are a little bit more off the beaten path, those are the guys that I'm really excited for because they weren't guys that we really had a lot of attention in when we did our summer scouting. And therefore they've kind of been working their way through the season, being really good and just kind of like, yeah, you'll notice that guy, but you didn't intimately know that guy in the summertime. So it's still going to be a a bit of a surprise. And if you're not in that region, like for example, I have Josh Pascal who this year was a completely different animal as an edge defender for Kentucky uh, than what he was the year prior And I had seen Josh Pascal because I scouted Kentucky. And obviously you scout Jamin Davis last year was a first round pick. So like, you know who Josh Pascal is, but you're like, okay, like he's another one of these base and 280 pound guys. Doesn't really have a lot of juice. Well, he found like a bunch of D batteries and strapped them into his pads this year because he's a way different play, like more twitchy more violent more powerful, more high energy, high motor player, really, really fun player. And when I watched him this year, it was like, oh, okay, like I've heard people say uh, we really like what we've seen from Josh Pascal this year. And I'm like, hmm, really? Like, that's interesting. Like, I wonder what's different. Well, everything's different. And I even think back to some guys are earlier on this than others. I remember the year that Javon Kinlaw came out. And, you know, he got drafted in the 20s to San Francisco. And Dame Brugler was super early on him. And he was like, Ken Law this year is going to have a monster breakout. You know, keep an eye out for Ken Law. He's going to be a difference maker. And the year prior, it was the same kind of thing. They don't play the same position, but it was he was big and strong. But he was kind of stationary, kind of lethargic. The switch hadn't come on. Well, and then you watch the tape his final year and right? it was like, holy shit, like this dude's a totally different animal. And then he goes to the senior bowl and you hear him on the podium and he's talking about his background and his story and all the hardship that he dealt with and how motivated he is. And it's like, okay, yeah, I'm not betting against that dude. Like he's going to go and he's, he's going to be a hit. So um, guys like that, that are off the beaten path. And I would point to Xavier Hutchinson, the wide receiver for Iowa state who Keith came away yesterday with, or last week with glowing reviews. of. That was fun. That was a fun
0: conversation with the way he talked him up in in that process.
1: Uh, Darian Beavers, the linebacker from Cincinnati who Joe came in and was like, yo, Belichickian defenses, like you want this year's Zayvon Collins, here you go. This is the dude. Like, really fun. To, and he was not a guy who was super high up on our radar. Uh, James Cook, the running back from Georgia, and of course he's a part of a running back share there with the Bulldogs, and everybody's seen Georgia this year, and every you watch Georgia every week, most likely, and it's like, oh, yeah, Cook's got a little something to him. But then Brentley did the deep dive, and he's like, no, I think this – like. Besides the fact that his last name is Cook, he can cook, like no pun intended. He didn't say that. That's like lame dad joke for Kyle of the day, so <laughs> I got that box checked. Um, but there's some guys that re- have really gotten some good shine to them this season, Chris. Yes, shine, and and this process in in, in its totality isn't very dull, and
0: you can say goodbye to dull gifts. Light box lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques. They've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a light price. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but just are grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in blush pink, Beautiful blue as well as classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off. Priced so that they won't have to. They really do make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull Moment And like I said, Kyle, this has not been a, a dull process to take because just to let everybody know the, the scouting team uh, presents these players to each other, but they also allow people like me to be in the room and the entire staff is in the room to be able to hear these conversations, to ask questions, to maybe point something out if somebody has watched a player or knows about a player. And I, Kyle, this is probably the nerd in me that that likes this stuff the most. But my favorite part of this is when just for like maybe five minutes or so on a player there's just a player comp conversation, and we're just throwing out yep. names to each other, and we're like, hey, does he remind you of this guy? And your favorite thing is you're like, Joe might be the only person in the room that remembers this guy, and you just draw out an obscure name for everybody. That, to me, is the best part because we're just lobbing names at each other for like five minutes to try to figure out what kind of skill set does a
1: player have, and that, that part's right. fun too. Right. So do you have any, without giving away too much, but was there any players that you heard a comp for that you thought were really interesting?
0: Ooh. Okay, I, you, this is going back to a player that you just talked about, but I really enjoyed the yep. conversation that we had about a player. Um, Beavers, the linebacker. What my yeah. favorite part of that conversation was, because we went into a breakdown, because Joe also happened to be the scout that scouted Zavin Collins. And Zayvon mm-hmm. Collins, the regional named, scout. Yeah, he was the regional scout for Collins, and it was so fun because Jamie actually pulled the numbers of what Joe gave Zayvon Collins. Trait by and trade. We put, yeah and we put them side by side, and we looked at them, and we actually had a one to one because Joe was the regional scout for both of these guys, and so that was a very cool thing to be like, okay, this is the player that we've thrown out there from Joe that this player looks like. And we actually were able to look at, well, Joe, how did you feel about both of these players? And that was a, that was a very fun uh, conversation. Well, and have. what's,
1: what's, what's really fun with that. And that's, that's how, you know, Joe's good at his job is you hear the report and it kind of paints the picture of what you're expecting the numbers to look like. And then we go into the conversation about Zaven Collins and he's like, well, no, Zaven wasn't as physical in the box. He didn't deconstruct blocks as well or use his hands and extend in traffic. And, was a little bit more fluid in coverage and a little bit more instinctive in space. And then you pulled up the numbers and it was like, boom, exact. Like everything that he detailed incremental differences in the scoring scale. And I think that's an important point that you bring up as far as being the regional scout versus not the regional scout, because when we get to the cross check season, like I will have a numbers trait by trait grade for Darian Beavers, just like I did for Zayvon Collins. But Joe being a part of and following Collins from summer in season, end of season, NFL Combine, draft, and then being a part of that entire familiarity um, for Darian Beavers as well gives you—I don't want to say you're you're more of a you're more well schooled, but you, there's just more of an understanding of the trajectory of that player instead of like hey, this is where they're at now. This is what I feel with they're ready to enter the, the draft and into the league. And I bank on Joe to do all the background work uh, to kind of paint the picture for me to set my expectations. And then I go in and do the exploration for myself.
0: Right. And I think that the reason I brought up that example, it was it was a very unique example of Joe having the background on both of those players. Right. And that was where our launching point was for the conversation. So, yeah, that's the one that stood out to me just because we were able to pull the numbers, we were able to put them side by side. And it really kind of gave us a nice picture of what Joe
1: was talking about. So I did I did two since we're talking comps and I know we got to wrap up. uh, I did two running backs at the end of last week, and I really like my comps for both. And I haven't discussed this with the group yet, but I figured I'd let you in first. Thank you. Okay. Uh so the first one is Sincere McCormick, the running back from the UTSA Roadrunners, uh, who I'm still mad at the Roadrunners for all the 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 money down stuff this meep, year and meep. letting me down. Meet me. Yes, that's right. Uh he got a four for me, he got a fourth round grade. Um, I comped him to Jeff Wilson uh with San Francisco. He had a good day yesterday. He did have a good day yesterday. He could be a productive player. Um But there are some parallels between him and Aaron Jones. He's not Aaron Jones, but Aaron Jones played at UTEP. The production that Aaron Jones had at UTEP, the level of competition that he played against, right? Since here McCormick at UTSA, instead of El Paso, he's in San Antonio. The production's like eerily similar. Their builds are similar. I don't think either one of them is like a true, like track athlete with the football in their hands. Um, and it was just kind of cool to like acknowledge that in that search for that comp of like, okay, I, I don't have the balls and I don't have the goal and I don't want to put unfair expectations on sincere McCormick to comp him to Aaron Jones. But it's like, you look at the level of the conference that he played in the area the country played in his background, his production, his build, his athletic profile, all of that. And it's like, mm, yeah, there's some fun little parallels here. And like, I'm grading him in the same range that Aaron Jones got drafted. So right. I can see there being a pathway to this guy having like a 200 carry per season role if you complement him with the right other backs around him.
0: So find so, yourself an A.J. Dillon is what you're saying. If you're going to draft sincere McCormick, find yourself an A.J. Dillon.
1: That's well, that's maybe the- you could, maybe you could find the other guy that I did, which was Chris Rodriguez Jr. from Kentucky. And I love and I've been Kentucky old, this year. There's so many good players on that team. Yeah, and I've been on Chris for a couple of years. He's really, really fun. So he's, a, he's like a 220-pound back who averages over 6.5 yards per carry for his career at Kentucky. So he's a highly productive player. And the comp that I came away with, it was like, oh, like yeah, you could do Benny Snell because Benny Snell is a real physical guy. He's got a little bit more juice than Benny. He's a little bit more dynamic. He's a little bit more slippery than Benny. So I'm like, this is not right. So the one I settled on, and I really like it, is Alexander Madison from Ooh. Boise. Okay. So, like, bigger back, but kind of weirdly silky smooth. He's not going to win a lot of foot races. He's at his best between the tackles. Um, He's not the – Chris isn't the, the pass catcher uh, th- that Madison is, but as far as running style and running profile – so those two, him and Chris and Sincere, complement each other pretty well as far as like a heavier two hundred and twenty guy and Sincere's two hundred and five or two hundred. And but both of those comps, since you were talking about comps, is a, a conversation for another day. But that is, it's a fun but hard part, and we don't force them if we don't have anything that we no. think works. But when they do, it's, when they, they do, start it's, conversation, it's, it's fun. Uh, but that's going to end our conversation. So we're going to go ahead and wrap this thing up. Hope you guys enjoyed a little bit of a snapshot into where we're at in our process of TDN right now. Kyle Krabs, Chris Schubert, Joe Marino will be back tomorrow. Uh, we'll be talking week 15 of the NFL season, so plan accordingly. Thanks, as always, for listening to Draft News. Hope to see you guys again tomorrow.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe.